In this story tonight, listen up, this story tonight is a story concerning David. But he's kind of the absent character in this story. He had a son by the name of Absalom. Absalom grew up, did some things in his life that were not pleasing to the Lord. And one day he rebelled against his dad and the family and the rest of them and took off and run to the edge of the kingdom, a place called Geshur. He bedded down there for a while, lived out his days, not much is said about him. But while he's there, we see that uh, Joab, which was David's right-hand man, he was his general on the battlefield. He, was, he did things for David, but he was also a bloodthirsty man. Again, you read some of these stories in the Old Testament and you wonder sometimes, uh, how can there be any righteousness in their lives? But I'm here to tell you, God used them and worked in them and in ways they didn't know. Well, here we see in the Old Testament that Absalom was living on the backside of the kingdom and there was Joab and he concerned because he saw how this was breaking King David's heart. He saw what it was doing to him and he realized that David wasn't going to go after him. I've got to do something about this. So he sent his servants off to bring Joab, or excuse me, to bring Absalom back into Jerusalem. And so they did. And the Bible said there that he gave him the promise that, you know, when time comes, we'll take you to David and try to unite the two of you back together again. And he waited, and he waited, and he waited, and he waited. Time went on. Two years went by. And here he is, sitting in his palace or his apartment house, whatever you want to call it. And he's sitting there waiting for the knock at the door to come to say, Hey, I'm going to take you back to your dad and deliver you to him. And hopefully you guys can be reconciled together. And again, he'd waited and waited and waited. Days went by, weeks went by, months went by. And then one day he got up one morning and he looked out his window and there he saw the fields where he had been out working during the day. And he saw, saw those fields of barley. Now, barley was a grain, was a coarse grain. Animals fed off those kind of, uh, kind of fields. Even human beings ate it, but it was, it was not the most nutritious of all the grains that were growing. And there it was, and he'd put labor and hard work into that. And he looked out, and it was on fire. Joab's servants had set it on fire. Or Absalom's servants had set it on fire. This was Joab now that his field was laid out there and there was problems that day. And Absalom looked over at the fields and saw what was going on. And he said, why would they do that? So he called for Joab when he found out who did it. And he said, Joab, why, why on earth would you set my fields on fire for? I've been waiting for you to respond. And so now Joab or Absalom has looked at the fields and he saw that what has happened. And as a result of that, we see here that Joab lost his fields. Now, through this story tonight, and I've been a little confusing about it, but through this story tonight, we see here what's taking place in, in his life and what's happening. And again, after those two years are over and the fields are on fire, he finally says, all right, thank goodness now you paid attention to me. And he took him to David and they united and kissed each other. Now that's not going to reconcile him forever, but it was a moment in time in David's life he greatly needed. And Joab gets a little passionate about this. And so does Absalom. And Absalom, of course, 
sees what's going on here. So he sets his Joab's field on fire. So he get him to take him to see his dad. You know, sometimes God has to do things in our life to get our attention. I'm, again, not being a, a, a denier tonight. Man, I want the Spirit of God to move tonight. But I'm here to tell you tonight, I believe God's speaking. But sometimes God's speaking and we're not listening. We're not responding. We're not moving at God's progression. And God will sometimes allow our barley fields to catch on fire. Just to get get us to do and prompt us to do what we need to do in our life. I think of how they're in the book of Proverbs for just a moment. In the book of Proverbs, there's, there's what is called wisdom... And she's personified as a woman in those first nine chapters. There's also, throughout the book, what is called the fool. He's a a stubborn guy. He happens to be uh, uh, somebody who was slow to respond. Uh, He had different ventures. But we see there this wisdom and we see here foolishness are so, so prevalent in the book of Proverbs all the way through the book. Wisdom is the voice of God. Wisdom is, in fact, the Bible says in the very beginning, it defines wisdom as saying that it is, it is the beginning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And wisdom is constantly speaking. We read through the book of Proverbs and we see in the concourses, that's the places where we go and we shop and we gather at the markets or whatever. Wisdom's crying out there. She's speaking and she's crying out sometimes pretty loud. She's speaking in the courthouses. She's she's speaking in places where people do business. She's speaking in the high places, a place where where worship had turned to sin. There on those high places in the Old Testament. And there's wisdom crying out. Sometimes she's saying, follow me. Sometimes she's saying, oh, listen, you don't want to listen to the the voice of the fools and others. You need to follow me and do what, what I would have you to do in your life. So we see that wisdom cries out and wisdom speaks. We go through that. I'm thankful for wisdom. I'm thankful that it's there. If we would just open our ears tonight and see that how much wisdom wants us to follow the Lord. And it's crying out and trying to get our attention tonight to do that. We have a small Bible call or not a Bible call, a small university in our town. Uh, it's called Salem International University. It's not a very large place, but it's nevertheless, it's got, it's got the faculty and students and they've come from all over the world at one time. Now it's progressed down to, to basically a couple states send their students there. But I was amazed because one day that was a seven day Baptist school. And I happened to go up there and I was going to go into the, where the library was at. And I looked down upon the sidewalk, and there on that sidewalk was this verse of Scripture. Right there, emblazed in the sidewalk, someone had taken it, probably with their finger, and wrote these words out that said, Get wisdom and get understanding, forget it not. Get wisdom and get understanding, forget it not. And when I saw that, I was walking on that sidewalk across there, I thought, listen... They may have abandoned this. They may have gone in a different direction with life. But they're going to have a hard time unless they take up that sidewalk and get that verse out of there. This is the verses we read tonight about trust. God wants us to be wise. He wants us to listen. He wants us to be responsive to what He wants us to do in our life. So get understanding. Forget it not. As I said, she cries in the streets. 
She's up there in the high places. She's in the gates. She's in the chief places of the concourse. And listen, folks, it's not the fact that wisdom's not trying to reach out to us today. It's a matter, will we listen? Will God have to allow our barley fields to get on fire in order to get our attention and to listen to God? Listen, folks, we all battle this, but I'm here to tell you, let us not get to the point in our life where we shut God off in wanting to hear from Him. The foolish cries this. The fool will say, well, stolen waters are sweet. Go ahead, it won't hurt. How many times have we heard that voice? Nobody's looking. Nobody will mind. You can be the toughest character in town. I guarantee you've heard that voice. Stolen waters are sweet. Or, I said my vows, I can do anything I want to do now. I've been to church, I've listened to that, I even read a verse uh, in church the other night. We go through all that and think, well, I've done my part, I've I've done, done what I should do, but we're not responsive to really what God wants to do in our life. We can't just walk around and say, I can live any way I want to live. That's not wisdom, that's not being wise. And here we see that sometimes God will do things to get our attention to do what we need to do. I'm amazed how these young people especially will put those, those, uh, I guess they're pods in their ears, and they'll walk down and they're listening to music all the time, and you talk to them and it's like, huh? (laughs) They're not listening. We have a bus stop outside of our church right on the corner of town there, and and, uh, the people, I mean, there's just scads of buses stop there and pick up kids from about four or five different schools. And a lot of times I'll go out there and I'll walk across the parking lot and I'll, I'll see one of them and they've got, their, they got those on and they got, they got their bag and backpack on their back and they're walking across the parking lot and uh, they see this old man coming towards them and they just, they don't want to listen. Well, bless their heart. But I'm here to tell you, when God speaks, we better listen. And wisdom is crying out to us to get our attention sometimes. He'll have to go to the means of setting our barley fields on fire. You think God's not capable of that? My God is. By the way, you say, preacher, where's love in all this? I'm here to tell you it's a lot of love. If God has to get to the point where he sets our barley fields on fire, just remember what the Bible says in the New Testament, whom God loveth, he chasteneth. I never forget, and you probably were at this too when I was a little kid, I deserved a spanking. And by the way, I think spankings are appropriate. <laughs> the Bible says so. My mother would take me and she, she used to switch. She, it, it, there was just a tree just growing for that. And she would take those and those leaves would just go down. I hated to see those leaves fall. Fall of the year wasn't my favorite time. She would take, she'd take that switch and she would reach out. And she'd get me across the legs and the backside and so forth. And she'd come across there. And man, it would hurt. But before that, before she even spanked me, she said, John, I love you. And this is going to hurt me more than it's going to hurt you. I thought, I didn't say it, but I thought it. If you want to switch places, be all right with me. I'm here to tell you. Sad to say, but there are times in people's life, lost or saved, when God has to come down and do something to get our attention to realize we can't go that way. I had a lady in our church a few weeks ago come into church, and she was doing some things to help out. And 
She said, oh, I wanted to get here earlier and get it done and all that. I, I wish somebody would kick me in the backside. <laughs> well, sometimes we just need a little kick in the backside. Something that reminds us that we can't just do what we want to do. We can't go where we want to go. We can't be what we want to be. And I'm here to remind us all tonight that we, here that we see that when Joab's fires or was fields were set on fire, we see what God is capable of doing. Would God send my fields on fire? I'm not talking about literally, but will God set my fields on fire? I'm here to tell you, He's a jealous God. He wants to talk to you. He wants to speak to you. He wants to encourage you. I'm talking about wisdom tonight. He's wanting to give you the right advice and the right counsel. He's wanting to come into your life and bless it and work in you. And yet, sometimes because He is a jealous God, He's jealous when everybody else, we've got our ear to everything else going on, but we don't have our ears open to what God wants us to do, what God wants us to say. I'm here to tell you there's a lot of people. The Bible says, and somebody quoted last night, the fear of God, uh, where there is no fear in God. The fool has said. The fool has said. I've said there's, there's two kinds of fools in the, in the book of Proverbs. There's the fool who rises up and says... I ain't budging. I don't care if it is God. I'm not listening. When our heart gets cold and indifferent like that, we're nothing but a fool. We're nothing but a fool. God says here in, in this passage of Scripture and throughout Proverbs that the fool has said in his heart there is no God. But there's a second kind of fool. There's a fool, and there's two different words there in the book of Proverbs that describe this. But the fool has said also, the Bible says there is a bullish fool. That's somebody who's just, he's like a bull in a china shop. He just says, this is what I'm going to do. Just everybody get out of my way. Uh, Leave me alone. I'm going to do what I want to do, and I'm not going to listen. Man, it's sad when we get that way in our lives. It's sad when we go through those things and we have to face that. God's wanting us to love him and love, love the voice of wisdom crying out. He wants to exalt, we want to, should exalt her and keep her and love her, not separate ourselves from her. Wisdom continues to cry out even tonight as we're sitting in this church. He's wanting us to respond and be what he ought to be. One of the great atheists in our country right now is a man by the name of Richard Dawkins. You probably heard him. If you haven't heard of him, let me tell you, he's out there. And he's trying to stop prayer in schools. He's trying to do everything he can to keep God out of our country and out of our way, at least his way. I want you to listen to what he said about God. He said he's petty, talking about the God of the Old Testament. And by the way, who's the God of the New Testament? He's petty, he's unjust, he's unforgiving, he's a control freak, he's a homophobic, He's unjust, he is genocidal, he is, he is uh, uh, full of rage, he is a, a uh, mega maniac, he is also somebody uh, who is, uh, uh, well, anyway, that's what he is, uh, malevolent bully, a malevolent bully. Can you imagine God calling God a bully? But the reason why is he's turned off his ear. To God speaking. God loves us enough and he cares enough about us that sometimes he will allow things to get 
there to sweep away our attention. Real quickly tonight, I want us to see tonight that God's crying out tonight. and He's trying to get our attention. He's trying to reach out to us. And he's trying to, but sometimes we refuse that cry of surrender to him. I don't know if you notice this or not, but when we put our faith and trust in Christ, the Bible says the Lord Jesus Christ. He's not just our Savior, he's our Lord. And as he calls out to us, he wants us to realize he wants to be the Lord of our life. For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify not God, or glorify thy God in thy body and in thy spirit, which are God's. He paid that redemption price that we might belong to him. And he wants us to listen. That cry that's going out telling us, will you not surrender and just listen and follow me? See, listening is not just, it's not just hearing, it's responding in a positive way to God saying, here's what needs to be done. I think of that uh, song, there's a call come raging over the restless waves. Send the light, send the light. There's that call that goes out ringing across the waves of time, coming to the hearts of men saying, hey, listen, I've got a task for you to do. Will you surrender? Job heard that cry, or excuse me, Jonah heard that cry. Jonah heard the the voice of the Lord speaking. And all of a sudden he said, now, Jonah, I'll tell you what, I want you to go to Nineveh, that great city that they're full of wicked people. They're Assyrians, they're cruel, they're unjust, but I want you to go to them and cry out to them against their sins. He says, I didn't hear that. Basically, that's what he did. He just turned God off. He jumped in a boat. They got down to the shore. He got on that boat and they headed off to sea and then God sent a storm. If you'll notice in that story, it's God directing every movement that's going on now in Jonah's life because he's turned his ear off to God. He gets out there, but he's bothered by that. He gets out there and then God takes away the ship that he's on. And he jumps into the sea. They throw him into the sea. And he gets there and all of a sudden, he's laying among the seaweed and all the rest and about ready to choke and die. But God preserved him and kept him alive long enough to swallow him up. And he took him and he swallowed him up and gathered him And there he's laying in the belly of that fish. Many believe for three days and three nights. Some believe he was dead. Some believe he may have been conscious. But nonetheless, he went through that. He was spit upon dry ground. And there in chapter 3, God came to him again the second time. I'm so thankful tonight when God calls, even when we refuse. God keeps calling. He keeps reaching out. He may not do it forever, but he will. Maybe God's calling you tonight to be something for the glory of the Lord. You say, I can't do it. I'm too afraid. I'm, I'm, too, I'm too backward or whatever. Well, I know that sometimes we face, we all face that. There's times when the Spirit of God's dealing on me to pass out a track or something, and I'm, I've got my mind on something else, and I bypass it, and later I forget it. I made a promise in to the Lord, a vow to the Lord, that everybody who came in our church, if they're going to do some electrical work or whatever it might be, or they're delivering a package or whatever it may be, I was going to, I was going to do my best to give them a gospel track or talk to them about the Lord. And I've, I've kept that through most of the times, but I, I'll admit tonight, there's times when I, a couple times when I haven't. We are talking earlier this evening in, this, in the, the room there and about uh, people that come and 
We used to have people come almost every week asking for something, a handout or something. And most of it was used, I'm sure, for drugs and other things going on. We've got a big problem with that in the town of Salem. But here we see also that, that uh, in, in since COVID, I think we might have had two, two people. One just came a couple weeks ago. But I'm just reminding us all, dear friend, that sometimes God, God's calling us and we get stubborn. And if we continue to do that and we don't listen to God, then eventually God's going to set our barley fields on fire. Be careful. I'm just wooing to you tonight to listen to what God may call you to do. Maybe it's the cry of service tonight where he's trying to get you to do something for his, for his sake, for his service. My, what an opportunity church is, dear friend, to do things to please God. My, we look around tonight and you say, well, I can't preach. Well, maybe God didn't call you to preach. Ever thought of that? He, does, he doesn't call everybody to preach. Maybe, I can't teach a Sunday school class. I can't, I can't do these things. Well, maybe you can't. But do you realize if you're a born-again person tonight and God saved you, the Spirit of God dwells in you, and when He came into your life, He brought 19 gifts to give to you, and there's one of them that fits. Mine may be the gift of preaching. Mine may give the gift of something else. I might have two or three of them, but everybody has one. If you're saved and born again, you've got it. And when you open up your heart to that and say, I'm going I'm to use that gift. Uh, by the way, the gift of music and singing is not a gift. It's a talent. But use your talents for the Lord too. Praise the Lord for the folks that are willing to sing and do their part. Hey, listen. I've got a, I've got a lady. And I know they may listen to it here, but I've got a lady in our church. Bless her heart. I've got several. But I've got one lady in particular I'm thinking of that uh, since she's been coming to our church, she's slowly gotten to the point where... She, she, just, she just wants to do something. She just wants to do something. To help the church out, to help her preacher out, to help people out. To, she sends cards and all kinds of things to people to cheer them up and wish them a birthday or all of that. If I give her something to, to work on, she'll, she'll do it and get it back. She's got the gift of helps. She'd been a school teacher most of her life. She'd, she'd worked at a bank and done these tasks. Now she's taken some of those talents and abilities and she's put them to use for the work of God. But the greatest thing she can do is to help. And if God's putting it upon your heart, if he's reaching out and calling you tonight, don't let him have to have somebody set your barley fields on fire. Just do it. Just do it. If he's giving you that gift, it may take you a while to figure it out. But I'm telling you, when, when you look for God, look for opportunities He's wanting to speak. He's wanting to work in such a way. He doesn't want you to turn a back, a back on him. We read in 2, Thess- excuse me, 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 1, In the last days there will be lovers of them own selves. And do you realize the next 20 things of those perilous times, the next 20, every one of them has to do with self. It's a matter of our own flesh and our own self. And I'm going to live my life. I'm going to use my money. I'm going to do what I can to pursue and save up and lay hold. And I'm, I'm not going to share it with anybody. And I'm just going to do my thing. And I'm going to go here and I'm going to do that. And I'm going to, I'm going to travel around the world or I'm going to do all these things. I'm here to tell you that's what the last days are like. And most people are trying to please themselves instead of please God. 
But God's calling out tonight in his wisdom. And he's calling out to you and to me tonight to say, hey, just listen to me. Hey, listen, we think it's not cool to learn. You know, young people are that way. It's just not cool to learn. They look at somebody that, that uh, has accomplished something in life and ha- had their ears open to truth and to knowledge and to those things. They look at people like that and say, my goodness, I don't want to be like him. That's not cool. And then they get about 19, 20 years of age. And you start looking at those people and they, they begin to say, well, I wish I'd have listened. <laughs> I wish I'd have listened. I'm talking, though, about the voice of God, trying to direct us, trying to get us to where we need to be. We need to have our ears open to what he's doing. And, folks, we want revival. It's a matter of us getting our ear tone back so we can hear what God's saying. I think of a man from from the jungles had come to New York City one time, and he was walking down the streets, and there was all the horn honking and, and chatter and everything else going on and the noise of the busy city, buses going by and subways and so forth. And all of a sudden... He said, stop to the man he was with. What is that I hear? He says, what do you mean? There's all kinds of noise. What do you mean, what do you hear? He says, I hear a cricket. And he looked over and there along the sidewalk was a cricket. He picked it up and handed it to the man. You know why? Because his ears were tuned to listen to God. It's not education. It's not our strength. It's not even our knowledge. It's having an ear for God. And let him speak to us. This church could set this community on fire if everybody would just exercise their gift in this church and be what God wants them to be and quit worrying about what's going to happen here. There's a fracture in the wall or whatever's going on in life. Yes, those things need to be fixed and dealt with, but the church is about God's people and it's about loving one another and it's about serving and doing what we can to be a blessing to make things what it ought to be. I'm thankful that we've got people around us that are willing to do that, but we need more. And I believe God's speaking. It's not God's quit talking, but he's speaking. But after a while, hey, listen, you got a child that won't listen to you. After a while, what do you do? You just say, well, I'm going to quit telling them. And sometimes God will turn his head away from us. Hey, listen, I'm not trying to be mean-spirited tonight. I'm just trying to get us to open up and realize what's going to set us free from a lot of this stuff that goes on in our life is just hearing what God has to say. It's called wisdom. The fool gets up like a, like a pig and says, I ain't going anywhere. I'm, I'm going to stick right here. I'm going to be this way the rest of my life. I saw a young lady this the other day, and I was telling her about some things. And she, she looked up at me. She says, I am not going to change. She'd been living in this state of mind for 15 years. I'm not going to change. Well, I wonder if sometimes that God doesn't reach over. Send somebody to set a barley field on fire. By the way, she's lost a lot of her friends and a lot of people around her. She's down to almost nothing in life. Listen, let's not let ourselves get that way. Let's hear the voice of God. Let's listen. You say, how do I hear it? Well, a lot of times it's, it's just the good things and the truthful things that are put before us. And trust in that. 
I had a young boy that I coached in basketball years ago. His name was Charles, and Charles was a good young man. He was only five foot ten, and he could reach up and grab the rim at five foot ten. And uh, he was—he's just a really very seldom made a mistake on a basketball court. And he was just 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 a really good ball player, really heady ball player. And one day, towards his high school years, he had a friend by the name of Eric. They, he turned to Eric and said, uh, says, uh, I want to go see that girl. And I'm not mentioning the town, but he says, we're going to travel up there. Can we borrow your car and go? And he said, sure, let's go up there. Before he walked out the door, his mom and his dad said, I don't want you going seeing that girl. Ah, he thought in his heart. He smiled and said, okay. They got in the car. They headed up some of those West Virginia side roads. They got close. They got close. And then they got closer. And then all of a sudden, he took his eye off the road for a moment. And when he whipped his wheel around, it turned the car and flipped it over two times and came right back up on its tires again. He got out of that car, looked around at it, and so did his buddy, who's owned the car. And he says, I think I'm going home. <laughs> I think I'm going home. Hey, listen, how many times, though, have things happened, have gotten our way? Again, I'm not here to pounce on you tonight. I'm just trying to remind you that when God speaks, his voice is sometimes like thunder. And sometimes his voice is gentle. It's a still, small voice that cries out to you. Be wise, be wise, be wise. Hey, listen, I'm here to tell you, though, the greatest thing is make sure that you've heard that cry of salvation where God's reaching out to you and says, I want to save you. I want to deliver you from your sin and I want to forgive you. And we reject him and we turn our eyes sometimes away from him, those that are lost, and say, I, I, I'm, uh, I'm not going to listen. You realize in the Bible there was a jailer by the name, uh, well, he's a Philippian jailer is his name. Anyway, he comes and all of a sudden as they're sweeped uh, around uh, the prison there, he's in charge of Paul and Silas and some other men. And all of a sudden he heard them singing, Amazing Grace. Now, Paul didn't write it, but they're singing gospel music. They're singing songs to the Lord. Paul's not in there complaining and griping about what's happened. He had... He'd been thrown there because he had taken people and set them free away from their idols and things that were going on in their life. And they turned to the Lord and so they're singing the praises of God. But that did not impress that jailer. He said, I'm going to go on my life. And then God sent an earthquake that shook the prisons. Shook it. And all of a sudden, he comes running out of there with a sword in his hand. He's ready to stick it through his stomach. And Paul says, do yourself no harm. I'm thankful that he eventually heard the cry after God got his attention. And he surrendered to the Lord. My father-in-law, and I think I mentioned this maybe Sunday, but my father-in-law was just a typical um, coal miner. Dealt with cars some. Painted cars. But he got to the point in life where he lived his days. He watched and took his wife to church for like 20 years, dropped her off. 20 years. My wife, his daughter, she started going to church. 
got saved. Her sister and brother. And through all of that, we see in the life here of that family, all of a sudden, Charles doesn't think he needs to go. I don't need the Lord. I've got three men back in our area. There was four, but I got three men that are 80 years of age. And I've taken preachers with me. We've gone together. I've gone by myself. Some of their relatives are going. We're trying to reach them for the Lord. Some of them are a little over 80, but they're around 80 years of age. And one of them sits there. And the other day I took an evangelist and sat down beside him. And uh, there we were. And he was very firm and very compassionate towards him. And when he got done, he listened. For the first time, he listened to the gospel. He took his, he took his hands on, put them over his stomach while he was listening. And when he was all done, he says, that's not for me. I don't know what he's going to do. He grew up around religion, at least. But I hate to think that someday God's going to have to put a barley field out there and set it on fire to get his attention. God is, not, God is long-suffering, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That cry of salvation. In our churches, Sunday after Sunday, I believe God's speaking. God's working. I've seen the tears well up in their eyes, walk out, reject the gospel, try to follow it up. And when you get talking to them, oh, I don't have time for that. But I knew God was speaking. Thank goodness for the voice of God and the Holy Spirit. Thank goodness he's persevering and he'll, he'll, he'll wait because he, he doesn't want to force you. He wants you to choose him. He wants you to respond to him. And thank goodness... When we do, what a blessing it is to know that we've been saved, isn't it, tonight? When we respond to the voice of God tonight, and we get saved. We call it when we respond, being born again, and He does the work within us. He draws us where we need to be. Oh, listen, what we need to do for God tonight. Let's let's just listen to God and do what He wants us to do, to follow Him as God's people. I had a, I had, this is a true story. It was a, young man, I suppose he was in his 20s. And he was relatives, he was a nephew of family that came to our church. And this young man came and sat down in the living room. As the story goes, he had been in a car wreck. that Flipped the car over and the fires began to inflame around it. And he began to burn in that car. When I met him that day in that room... He had been outside. They would released him from the hospital a few days later. He was standing out by the little creek that went behind that house there. And he was standing out there with a big family Bible in his hand was walking. He didn't have any shirt on because he couldn't wear a shirt. His back was so marred and, and contaminated by the fires that had been. And there he is. He came in. We were just having revival, just started was going to start. That was, uh, I think it was on Monday. I think it was Monday that we went to see him. And as we walked out there, tried to talk to him, his family wanted us to reach him. He was really had been a mess in his life. And he's sitting there in that sofa in the living room and no shirt on. He's, we invite him. He says, why don't you come to the meeting tonight? He says, well, I, I can't wear a shirt. He says, we won't mind that. Just Come. 
We tried to be a witness to him right there. We tried to help him, encourage him to the Lord. But to my knowledge, he walked out into that field and said goodbye to us. And as far as I know, he's never responded to the Lord. You say, will God do things? Yes, he will. My God will. Because he loves. And he'll do what he can. And I'm not here tonight to browbeat you. I'm not here, but I am here to tell you and remind you that the God in heaven above will do what he's got to do for you to see and open your eyes and respond to him. I'm so thankful when God called as a 14-year-old boy. And when God called me out when I was a nine-year-old boy and I trusted Christ my Savior in the living room as my mother led me to Christ on a green living room sofa on a Sunday afternoon before we got ready to go to church Sunday night. I'd made a couple other professions, but it wasn't real and genuine in my heart. And right there that day, as the tears began to roll down my eyes, my mom didn't have to teach me what to say or what to do. She just asked me if I'd been saved. And I said, no, Mom, I haven't. And I yielded to him. When I was 14, almost 15, God got a hold of my heart. And started stirring in me. I wanted to be a, I wanted to play sports and I wanted to be a coach. And I wanted to do all these things and achieve things for myself. And then God started dealing with me. Burdened my heart for people that needed the Lord. One day I got so restless, I went to my bedroom upstairs in our bedroom of our, where, I, where I slept at night in an attic kind of bedroom. And I was up there and I was pacing from one end of the house to the other end of the house saying, Oh God, what am I going to do? I don't want to see people lost and going to hell. Isn't there something I can do? And I did that and then I come back again the next night and the next evening and did the same thing. And I don't know what it is about Sunday evening, but it was Sunday evening when I stood there in the back of the church and every teenager in the place was was, uh, talking to each other, wasn't paying attention to our preachers preaching. And I'm sitting there and the tears are rolling down my eyes. And I had stopped in that living or in that uh, upstairs apartment or upstairs bedroom. And I'm up there and I stopped for just a moment. And I looked up to the Lord and said, Lord. If you want me to preach, I will. So I'm sitting there in church. God's all over me. I'm glad he spoke loud enough I heard. Now I'm not talking necessarily about an audible voice, but my Bible says my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. And that night I stepped out and as I said, I think a day or two ago, my pastor, my preacher come up And he met me about two rows up. And I was coming down the aisle from where I was sitting over there. And I come down the aisle and he put his hand in mine. And he said, John, God's called you to preach, hadn't he? (laughs) God's called you to preach, hadn't he? How did he know? I looked around. My parents were sitting back here on this side together. And it wasn't to please my mom and dad. Believe me, they didn't even know. It was a shock to them. He set me right here on the front row. And I turned around later and told everybody what God had done. And shortly thereafter, I took off, started preaching. I was raised in church. I knew a little bit about things. I'd heard Bible stories. I knew the truth, a lot of the truths of the word of God. But I still had a lot to learn. But I'm thankful what God did in my heart. 
Folks, are we willing to listen? Is God speaking to your heart? There's something you can do for the glory of God tonight. Don't let God have to take extreme measures to humble ourselves and see what we need. Every head bowed, every eye closed. You're here tonight and you're lost. You say, I'm not really sure. You're here tonight without Jesus. Has he given you peace and assurance that you know you're saved? He'll, quit, he'll keep speaking and speaking as long as you'll open an ear and listen. Recognize God's dealing with you. God's speaking to you. So how about it tonight? If you're here and lost without Jesus, would you humble your heart before God? Let God save your soul tonight. Let God work in your heart. God knows tonight the needs of our life and our heart and to think you have a meeting like this and and most of you probably are church people. But I'm here tonight to remind you, have you been saved? Have you been born again? I just wonder tonight before we go on with our invitation, our service this evening, I wonder if there's somebody who said, Preacher, boy, God's been all over me lately. I'm not sure of what's all going on in my life, but I know I've never been saved. I want to I wanna trust the Lord. I want to believe in Him. I can think of a couple people in the Bible that the Lord wrestled with. Won't you just trust Him? Put your faith in Him, believe in Him. If you're saved tonight and you know the Lord, you know what His voice is like. Maybe it's been a long time, though, since you've heard him get up to you and call you by name. That's the way you know it's the Lord. He always uses, and any time he spoke to anybody in the Bible, he always used their name. And he'll call out to you and say, hey, you could do that. I'll help you. You could surrender yourself to say, hey, I'll be a part of that. I'll get involved in what I can do around the church. Maybe somebody will have to teach me a little bit uh, how to take a track or a Bible and show somebody how to be saved. But I could do that. I don't know what it is, but I believe tonight there's people, the wisdom has been crying out to you maybe this whole week or maybe even for weeks before I ever came. And you realize, boy, I could do that with God's help. And he's crying out to you tonight. Let's not be foolish with what God's dealing with us in our life. Father in heaven, Lord, I don't know the state and condition of everybody's life here tonight. But I know we could all listen better. Help us to be able to hear that cricket in the middle of the street, dear Lord, the voice of the Spirit of God. Above all the other clamor and things we hear all day long and the complaints and the gripes and this needing done and that needing done, dear God, could we hear your voice? God, would you open up the word of God to us in such a way that, God, you lead your dear children along. Oh, God, help us to listen. In thy name we pray. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. You're here tonight. We're going to sing a song of invitation. God loves you tonight. He loves you enough that he'll do what he needs to do to get our attention and to follow him. 
How about it tonight? Let's, 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 let's just surrender. Let's just do what God would have us to do in our life. Let's be found faithful as we sing this song, all right? Do business with God. I say that every invitation. Do business with God. 451. That's what this altar's for. What's God been talking to you about? What's God been speaking to you about? And if you haven't heard it lately, maybe you need to get a little closer to the Lord and say, Lord, what is it you want me to do? Maybe there's a service, a ministry of some sort, something you can be involved in. I'll listen, okay? Again, God dealing with you.